Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents Annie Leibovitz at Work. This exhibition includes the photographer's iconic pictures from Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and Vogue, as well as new portraits made just for Crystal Bridges. Annie Leibovitz at Work opens September 16th. More at crystalbridges.org. This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, August 4th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellams. Thanks for being with us. This is 91.3 KUAF, your public radio station. And we will start off with one of our favorite uh, conversationalists, Michael Tilley, who's with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, welcome back to Ozarks at Large. Well, thanks for having me. I've never been called a conversationalist. I hope that's a good thing. It is, um, yes. As opposed I... <laughs> to somebody who talks too much. Well, being a conversationalist, we are going to look at the positive uh, implica- okay. implications of that right. term. Plenty of sort of trucking news in the past seven days, both with ArcBest and with Yellow Trucking, uh, and they could be connected. Yes. Um, well, I'm sure the ArcBest and ABF folks hope, hope it's connected, and, and it seems like it will be. But late last week, ArcBest, Fort Smith-based ArcBest, which is the parent company of ABF Freight, one of the nation's largest less than truck truck truckload carriers. Am I still a conversationalist if I can't say truckload carrier? You very much but, are, yes. So they reported a pretty dismal second quarter number. Now, I say dismal, it's up against some really – they had a stellar year. It was their best – it was a record-setting financial year in 2000, last year, 2022. So they're up against some tough comparisons this year, but they posted a uh, second quarter net income of a little over $40 million. That was down over 60% compared to the same quarter last year. Uh, total revenue was a little over $1.1 billion. That was down just under 17% compared to last year. Um, their net income for the first half of the year I mean, they're not they're not going to go broke by any stretch. But net income in the first half of the year, fiscal year, totaled about 100, and, just under 112 million. And that's down from 172 million in the first half of last year. So it's been a tough quarter. Um, what we're seeing a lot in the trucking industry, both logistics, less than truck load, truck load, long haul carriers, you know, driving all of the different types. You know, after during and after COVID. We've talked about this. It's just that all of those trucking companies were making money hand over fist as that supply chain unwound, so to speak. Well, a lot of that's taken place, that all of that demand for trucks, all that demand for logistics is kind of moving back to a more normal level. So all of those companies, that's why ArcBest had a record year last year. But that demand is not there now this year. So, you know, ArcBest has talked about how they're going to struggle. I think they laid off. Uh, some corporate employees are not saying how many. Then shortly after that, Yellow, which is a which is a competitor, they're less than truckload carrier. They've been in financial trouble for a long time. They filed for bankruptcy. Some we talked to the, some analysts and got their notes. Um, uh, Jack Atkins and Grant Smith, they're two analysts with Stevens Inc. at Little Rock. Their take is pretty much the Yellow bankruptcy will will help uh, ABF quite a bit now. Something to keep in mind is Yellow, by comparison, Yellow had about 22,000 unionized workers, primarily tra- drivers, dock workers, that kind of thing. ABF has 8,600. Mm. So that gives you an idea of the capacity, the demand that is shifting out of Yellow. And so that demand's got to filter elsewhere. You know, it's let's keep it simple. Let's let's say Kyle Kellum operates one of four snow cone. Mm-hmm. You know, you're one of four snow cone sellers on the block, and one of the guys can't afford electricity to make ice, and so now you're down to three. Your business is going to get a little better, right. assuming demand does not waver. You're, you know, you're going to sell a few more snow cones. So that's what we're seeing. We hope that's the case. Uh, obviously, if you're a, I say we, if you're uh, our best share, shareholder, you hope that's the case, and that um, the back half of the year uh, kind of recovers a little bit for Arcbest. If you are connected to the uh, Foreign Military Pilot Training Center that's going to be in Fort Smith. You're hoping that about $173 million comes your way, appropriations from the House and Senate, but it's not all the T's haven't been crossed yet, have they? No, they haven't. And um, it's, you know, I've talked to a lot of folks involved in this. Of course, this is, you know, Ebbing Air National Guard Base here, which is home to the 188th Wing, Fort Smith, co-located with the Fort Smith Regional Airport, they were selected to be the you know lo- the long-term pilot training center for these F-16, F-35 fighter planes. 
um, Singapore, Switzerland, Poland, Germany, Finland, there are other countries that, that participate in what's called the Foreign Military Sales Program. They have to have a place to train these men and women on these advanced fighters, especially the F-35. And so uh, the Air Force decided to consolidate all of that, and they picked Fort Smith. So, But that takes money. It takes a lot of money. It's been estimated anywhere from $700 million to $800 million. I don't know about the Kellum's household, but that's a hell of a lot of money uh, and would be in my household. I'm going to have to sell but, a lot uh, of snow cones is what that means. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or just sell two for $450 million apiece or whatever. But right. um, so, so Senator Bozeman's office, Congressman Womack's office, you know, have been fighting to get money into appropriations bills. There's about 20, roughly 20 million that was that Senator Bozeman was able to obtain in the last fiscal year to help get this pilot training center off the ground. But they're going to need money and they're going to need it fast because some of these planes are going to be, some of these people are going to be arriving late next year. And that's not a lot of time to get a facility set up. And so um, the problem is though, that they were hoping to have um, uh, a lot of this set up and the funding secured and in, in place by the end of September, September 30th. That's the end of the fiscal year for the federal government. But we've seen these politics emerge. Um, um, the Senate's version of what's called the National Defense Authorization Act is pretty much a clean bill. It states, you know, what the defense, it's $886 billion bill that states who gets what. But the House version, the House of Representatives version, passed a bill that has language, for example, it prohibits critical race theory teaching in the military. It seeks to end diversity, inclusion, and equity efforts uh, in the military, prohibits drag shows in the military, blocks any attempt to institute a military Green New Deal, um, just a lot of social politics type stuff, which normally, well, in fact, I've talked to several, some lobbyists and some staffers, they say these type of issues have never been uh, in a national defense authorization bill. So the problem is you have two different bills. How are they going to process? They go to conference committee, they have to get talked out. Something, you know, eventually has to get approved. And a lot of the social conservatives in the House have said, we're not going to budge. Uh, you know, you've got the in, on the Senate side, you've got Tommy Tuber, Senator Tuberville from Alabama saying he's not going to budge on some spending and some other things on appointments uh, until he gets some hit, some abortion provisions he wants. So a lot of this is threatening the bottleneck of the funding, as you said, about $173 million. So it's something we're going to keep watching. The people I've talked to don't have – they're concerned about it, but it's not a high level of concern. Uh, but I suspect if this continues to drag – as it drags out closer yeah. to September – that's, that concern may increase. If we take the temperature of building permits in Fort Smith, it's what up and down because year year date to date or you know year to year comparison still up thirty percent, but July was down. Yeah, July was down. Maybe it's just too damn hot to be building. I mm-hmm. don't know, but yeah, it was down considerably in July. Fort Smith, Greenwood, and Van Buren, which we measure, uh, a little over twenty six million, twenty six and a half million. Uh, that was down about seventy percent uh, from July twenty twenty two. And it was down more than 70% compared to June. So quite a breather. I don't see it as a trend. You can't look at one month as a trend. Um, the key thing, though, is that, remember, last year was a record year by far for right. the Horseman Metro in terms of building permits. This year, year to day, January through July, permit numbers, as you said, are up 30%. So um, a hefty jump. Now, Fort Smith does a lot of that, Fort Smith permits. Um, through July, are almost 350 million up uh, over 56 percent. Van Buren numbers are down 71 percent from last year, but last year was kind of the big Simmons food plant was being permitted, uh, 100 million plus facility. That's no longer in the works. I think that plan's mostly finished. Uh, Greenwood numbers are up about three and a half percent. Other than the tick in Van Buren, the numbers are up. It's it's just a again a healthy increase. And as we talked about it, I, I would have, considering what interest rates have done through, uh, been doing where they've been moved higher, I, if you would have told me that at July, uh, our permit numbers would be up 30% compared to our record in 2022, I would think maybe the heat had gotten to you. But, um, but it's, look, it's good to see. 
we're still again seeing broad-based residential and commercial construction. And as we always do, we'll just keep watching it to see if that continues through the year. Finally, I want to point folks to it's the middle of the year, so it's time for something that happens twice a year at talkbusiness.net. That's the state of the state report. You look at different industries. So far, I think, um, I know trucking and transportation has been updated. What else are we going to see at the state of the state report series? Well, we've, yeah, we've updated the healthcare just quickly. One of the things we've learned is that we get a lot of positive feedback because we try to take the critical economic sectors in Arkansas and just provide a good quick snapshot of where they are. And so we do that at the beginning of the year. We try to do it around the mid, mid of the year, July, August. But we look at healthcare. We look at the manufacturing sector. Uh, we look at the overall economy. We look at tourism industry, energy sector, retail, and as you said, trucking. Uh, we get a lot of good feedback on it because, again, we seek out folks in the industry and they tell us what's going on. And if you have any interest in the world around you and want a good quick snapshot of what's going on in the Arkansas economy and in, in the different sectors, uh, I would point you to our state and state coverage. It's um, I'm, I'm proud of all of our coverage, obviously, but um, I, I think we our reporting group, our reporters do just a hell of a job encapsulating uh, where the economy and, and where those different sectors are. So encourage you to go look at it. And you can find it at talkbusiness.net, along with details about everything we've talked about and so much more. Michael Tilley is with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, thank you, as always, for your time. Hey, you're welcome, sir. Another indictment for Donald Trump. How's he paying his legal fees? Also, Summer is for Cousins, a new picture book that captures the fun and chaos of vacations with extended family. Who likes to be at the beach? Who would be probably talking on the phone? Who is probably eating snacks right now? Who wants to go home? Those stories, Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition with Scott Simon, tomorrow morning from 7 to 9 on 91.3 KUAF. You can... Also ask your smart speaker to please play KUAF. Ahead this hour on our show, want to try your hand at growing balsam peppermint stick or bok choy purple lady? The Bentonville Public Library can get you started. The BPL Seed Library is essentially a wall of a bunch of seeds. We, like I said, partnered with the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank to donate the initial uh, round of seeds that we have. Patrons can come in and take as many seed packets as they'd like. The Seed Library at the Bentonville Public Library, open now. We'll find out more on today's Ozarks at Large. The latest edition of The R Word, a podcast that explores reparations role in racial, social, and economic justice, features an interview with Propaganda about his art and the impact that songs like Playing With Fire and What Do You Know About Grace have had on us. Come from eastern side of Los Angeles, pretty ethnically diverse as far as like predominantly Mexican and, and uh, Filipino. So I kind of grew up in a pretty kind of tricultural space, you know, during some of the bigger movements in L.A. around hip hop, uh, skate, skateboarding, all that. So it's really, really cool, really cool time to be alive. The R Word podcast available now at KUAF.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ozark at Large. There's something new at the Bentonville Public Library, a seed library. Patrons can pick up packets of seeds to grow heirloom tomatoes, peas, bok choy, and other vegetables and flowers. Samantha Sacri, the library's marketing specialist, says the seed library is an example of the library listening to the community. Initially, it started with a lot of community members reaching out to us and asking if this is something that we'd be interested in doing or something that we would like to um, maybe partner with different people within the community. And then after about two years of people asking us that, we, um, the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank reached out to us and was like, hey, we've got a lot of seeds. Are you interested in perhaps starting a um, seed library? And so it all kind of worked out that way. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> so how does it work? So the BPL Seed Library is essentially a wall of a bunch of seeds. We like I said, partnered with the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank to donate the initial uh, round of seeds that we have. Patrons can come in and take as many seed packets as they'd like. They don't have to, um, they don't have a limit. The seed library is up 
12 months out of the year. And then after uh, they grow something, they're welcome to come back and donate seeds from their garden. Aesthetically, it's it's beautiful. Who, who designed it? Who created it? Yeah, so it's uh, a great question. You know, we worked with Friends of the Library. They helped us to fund um, the building of the wall and then Community Works here with the city of Bentonville. Um, there's a nice man named Chris who came in and uh, took a blueprint that we drew for him with measurements and everything and just like put it directly um, and he just built it exactly how we wanted it. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I am not a gardener. I've had mm -hmm. a garden and it's been basic, you know? Mm -hmm tomatoes, cucumbers, maybe some jalapenos. There are some things here I don't recognize the names of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got a great selection of heirloom uh, seeds and everything is open pollinated as well, which means that these are not hybridized seeds. They are um, seeds that are just um, the vegetable that they've always been. They haven't been crossbred with any other vegetable. Um, and so, yeah, we've got some really fun different kinds of carrots. We've got different kinds of, I mean, peas, tomatoes, the kind of easy stuff that you can do. And then we've got some fun um, tatsoi, which is like a leafy green. That'll be nice to um, grow in the colder months. And then okra, bok choy, yeah. Do you know what balsam peppermint stick is? You know, I don't. It looks like an edible flower to me. Yeah, so right. these ones are kind of cool. This is like a green. What's really fun about this is it also gives you a little description on the back of the seed package. So it's a perennial and ancient grain bearing plant used for food, necklaces, rosary breeds, and traditional in folk medicine for arthritis and to remove heat. And then it gives you the planning instructions and all that. And when you're donating a seed you or seeds, Hopefully, um, we have a little packet that you can fill out and we ask, you know, do you want to share a story about your garden or your harvest or the seed itself um, so that you can share the little things like with Job's tears. <laughs> and finally, I mean, we've known for a while now that libraries are beyond just books, right? You can get information about how to do your taxes or depending on the library tools or whatever, this kind of extends that service. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really great about it is we're working with the Benton County um, Master Gardeners as well to provide some different programming that helps people to learn about, you know, the traditional time-honored um, efforts of seed saving, seed sharing, um, cultivating gardens that produce biodiversity, sustainability in Northwest Arkansas specifically. Um, so it's it's a really great initiative that is just trying to, yeah, expand on what we do here at the library and offer, you know, lots of benefits to our community. Have you planted any yet? Yes. In fact, I, um, I've also already donated some. Um, do we have it up here? No, I, I, I planted a, oh, here we go. Nash, how do you say that? Nasturtium? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll trust so it's you. It's kind of like a spicy edible flower. This is, um, like you said, there are a lot of um, kind of unique seeds that we have here, but we're trying to um, gauge the seeds that we're putting out per the season that we'd be planting them. And honestly, I think that it's important to not get too overwhelmed. While we do, you know, there are so many concepts when it comes to gardening, like your soil, the pH, if you have enough um, compost and stuff like that. But I really encourage people to just try get their hands dirty plant some seeds and see what happens explore and just get curious samantha sacri is marketing specialist at the bentonville public library our conversation took place earlier this week at the library the seed library located inside the bentonville public library and that library is planning much more new in the next 12 months. Groundwork is underway in the library's multi-million dollar expansion. And on an edition of Ozarks at Large next week, we'll learn more about that expansion when we talk with Executive Director Hattie Dudley. Hi, I'm Matthew Moore, reporter and producer for Ozarks at Large. I love doing word games, especially the kind where you guess a five-letter word and you're given color-coded hints on how close you were to guessing that five-letter word. 
If you also love doing that kind of word game, then you should play the daily KUAF word game. Just head over to KUAF.com and see how you fare. And if you're a listener of Ozarks at Large, you might notice a pattern in the word choices. But hey, I don't want to spoil it for you. Just head over to KUAF.com and play along. And thanks. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders is selecting Arkansas's new state treasurer from the state's Department of Finance and Administration. Governor Sanders became emotional during yesterday's announcement that Larry Walther will follow the late Mark Lowry, who died in office last month. Governor Sanders said she was excited to make the announcement. At AEDC, Larry brought businesses and jobs to our state. He served as director of the U.S. Trade and Development Agency and on the board of directors for the Export-Import Bank and as DFNA's chief fiscal officer, where he worked to streamline the entire agency. Walther, whose wife Janice died in May, reflected on Lowry's legacy during his speech. First, I want to say how deeply saddened I am at the passing of Treasurer Mark uh, Lowry. I'm sorry, I'm, uh, I got a little emotional there. It's, kind of a, it's been a really tough year for me. He was a friend and he was a professional uh, in his job, and he and I were, had a very close relationship. Walther served under Governor Sanders' father, former Governor Mike Huckabee, at the Arkansas Economic Development Commission. He will fill out the remaining two years of Lowry's term. There is another excessive heat warning for the Arkansas River Valley and much of eastern Oklahoma today. Temperatures are expected to reach 104 in Fort Smith, with heat index readings as high as 113. This excessive heat warning lasts until 9 tonight. In northwest Arkansas, there is a heat advisory until 9 tonight. Highs in northwest Arkansas today around 100. Heat index readings as high as 108. The city of Springdale will add more crosswalks to downtown tomorrow. The crosswalks will be at the intersection of Main and Meadow and are an effort to improve walkability in the area. The project is a partnership between the city, the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, Community Health and Research, and Northwest Arkansas Trailblazers. And the project is part of a REACH grant that UAMS received to improve physical activity and built environments. This is Ozarks at Large. With me on the phone from her office in Bella Vista is Becca Martin-Brown, arts and entertainment editor with the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Welcome to August, Becca. Bah. Humbug. (laughs) Ho-hum. I get you. I'm not having the best time with adulting right now. It's a million degrees. I can hear the dollars rolling as my air conditioner runs. So I thought we'd devote this week's segment to Pursuits for Your Inner Child. Well, I am all about this. One of them is for your inner teenager, but it'll be fun. All right. So tonight, you could go to Fort Smith Uh and see Cinderella, the musical. All of the beautiful costumes. They told me some ridiculous number, like 400 yards of fabric went into all the costumes. So all the beautiful costumes and Cinderella's coach and the whole thing you expect from Cinderella the musical. At Fort Smith Little Theater, today, tomorrow, Sunday matinee, and then again next Thursday through Saturday. Okay. Tickets are $20, half-price kids' tickets on the 10th. And this follows the familiar line, the, the lost shoe and all of that? Yeah. Okay. But it's the nice version where she doesn't have to saw her toes off. Oh, I, I take it that's what happens in Grimm's fairy tales or something? Oh, that's what happens in Into the Woods. Oh, the Sondheim. Okay. Well, you know, the, yeah. when I was a child, my mother gave me, a child, I mean 10, 11, she gave me a, a, a compendium of the Grimm's fairy tales as they appeared, oh, yeah. you know, centuries ago. And they were, they were basically stories to warn children not to do things, and they were all graphic and, and, and bloody and horrible. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Hansel and Gretel was about not wandering away from home. I'm sure Cinderella had some sort of... 
hidden advice. Anyway, let's don't, meet, don't take up with some strange man that you meet at a ball. Well, that would probably be good Did advice. Ask you to saw your toes off. <laughs> yeah. So I've taken us away from the inner child. I'm gonna. Yes, we digress. Let's yes. go back to our inner child. That was me. That was my or fault. You go. Can go. We could go to the Tondi Town Grape Festival. There you go. If you're new to the area, it started as a celebration by Italian immigrants who came here at the turn of the 20th century to grow grapes. And now they make spaghetti. <laughs> mm-hmm. The big deal of the Tondi Town Grape Festival is to go eat spaghetti. So you can do that tonight from 4.30 to 8.30. You can do that tomorrow from 4.30 to 8.30. You can go to an arts and crafts fair. You can go to the Tawny Town Historical Museum. There's musical performances. All of it free except the food, and there's a carnival. Right, and the music is free, and they've got, you know, a lot of music, especially Saturday. They've got like six acts, I think, all lined up, all free. Speaking of music, Mm -hmm. there is absolutely Uh no surprise to anyone who knows me that I have one favorite band. Trout Fishing in America. Trout Fishing in America. And Trout Fishing in America is playing more shows closer to home these days, which I think is great. They're in the 44th year of their partnership. Right. If they want to quit traveling so much, I think that's fair. And tomorrow they're playing the Centennial Carnival Celebration at Mount Sequoia. In fact, they're playing twice, are they not? They are playing twice. They are playing a 2 o'clock show for kids that will be inside Clap Auditorium. And tickets for that are included in the $10 cost for the day, which includes food trucks and Mm. kids' stuff. And then at 7 o'clock, they're going to play an adult show near the crossover look, and that's $25. And you can find out all about that at mountsequoia.org. If you've never seen or heard Trout, well, first of all, your life is empty, and I'm sorry. (laughs) But you can fix it tomorrow, or you can go today or tomorrow, to the Rogers Historical Museum for for an exhibit called Toys Well Played. Yeah. Speaking of well played, they didn't know this was going to happen. They don't have a Barbie doll in this exhibit, but they do have a Mitzi doll. So Mitzi was a copycat of Barbie. Oh, okay. Super rare. They only made it for one year. The Ideal Toy Corporation made it for one year between 1961 and 1962. And so having that doll has kind of let them jump on the Barbie bandwagon and the exhibits going over gangbusters. Do you remember, they call it a wonder horse. Do you remember bouncy horses? Uh, kind of. Toy horses with springs and a frame oh, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, sit yeah. on them and bounce up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've got one of those. Okay. I had one named Rowdy. Uh-huh. They have Stife teddy bears. They have... Rubik's Cubes, they have troll dolls. Mm. It's a fun exhibit. And then after you've seen the exhibit, you can go over to Grandma's Attic or go to the Children's Gallery and play. (laughs) Exactly. And it's all free and it lasts through Christmas at the Rogers Historical Museum. Now, here's the thing for your inner teenagers. I didn't know anything about the movie or the musical Heathers, until I went to write about it. It's a great movie, but it is, um, you know, seen through a darker lens. As brutal as high school is for many people, it's the story of three girls named Heather who run the school and a new kid in school who has some rather extreme plans to fix that. And the musical production of it is being Produced independently by Kaylee Irwin, Kaylee Miller Irwin, who you know from on stage at Arkansas Public Theater and who produced a night of Broadway music called All Together Now in 2021 and wrote an original opera in 2022. And now she's doing Heather's. And it's on stage for three nights this coming week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at the Medium, which used to be the Art Center of the Ozarks in Springdale. And all the shows are sold out except Tuesday night. So get on it. You can get the tickets by going to Venmo and looking for capital AR, AR Sings, Heather's at the Medium. Or email Kaylee, Kaylee Miller, K-A-I-L-E-Y, Miller25 at Gmail. They've got a great cast, and the rehearsal was fabulous. Don't take your children. There's also an event at the Jones Center tomorrow called Backyard Throwdown. Oh, right. I mean, all sorts of games 
And again, speaking of two, two sessions, one for families and kids, one for adults where you can purchase adult beverages. Exactly. And they're going to play cornhole and bocce ball and croquet and horseshoes. Should be a blast. You can find out more at thejonescenter.net. And coming Sunday, don't spend all your money between now and then because we're about to announce in what's up the complete Walton Art Center season and tickets, single tickets go on sale the 15th. And how, how do I find what's up, Becca Martin-Brown? You can find it in the Sunday edition of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, the Sunday edition of the River Valley Democrat Gazette, and we have a newspaper box in front of our office on East Avenue. Uh, Becca Martin-Brown is the arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Becca, thanks for making us feel younger this week. Oh, thank goodness we needed it. Monday on Ozarks at Large, Pryor Center Archives help us think about climate change. It turns out that the Arctic is sort of the mirror to the Earth. The, uh, all the computer climate models, all the, uh, all the theories predict that whatever's going to happen to the rest of the Earth will happen first and to the greatest extent in the Arctic. Reporting from 26 years ago, that'll be interesting to hear after one of the hottest weeks of the year. That's on Mondays, Ozarks at Large, at noon and 7 on 91.3 KUAF. There's also an Ozarks at Large podcast you can download or subscribe to for free. It's available at KUAF.com or wherever you already get your podcasts. It's the Community Spotlight Week in Review on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. There are a ton of community events planned for this weekend, and we heard about a number of them through the spotlight this past week. The Teen Action and Support Center in Rogers will team up with Oasis of Northwest Arkansas for their annual Back to Cool event tomorrow. Here's Kara Zinner, Director of Development at the TASC. Our mission is to empower teens to take action in their own lives and community. Um, we have five major programs. We have counseling, um, counseling services, which have increased like 40% since COVID. Um, it's a huge piece of what we do, but then we also have in-service, which is volunteering, getting out in the community. We have um, First Steps, which are resources for pregnant parenting teens. We have an art, art and culture program. Um, we have a location in Springdale that actually has a recording studio. And so not then, just Rogers? Not just Rogers. We have three locations, wow. two in Rogers and one in Springdale. So we are Northwest Arkansas. Tomorrow's Back to Cool event will take place from noon to 2 p.m. at their Rogers location. We have 100 teens that will be getting a pair of shoes, which um, gracious enough that Rush Running donated shoes. You know, we have great community partners. Um, they, we, they get a backpack school supplies. They get socks from Clothes to Children, which is another local nonprofit. Um, they get food and some resources and backpacks and a water bottle. And this is our third year partnering with Oasis. And uh, they feel, you know, in this area too strongly about teens and supporting teens. And um, we're excited to see this happen again. Kara Zinner with Teen Action and Support Center. For more on that event tomorrow, the website, TASC.org. Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville is celebrating 100 years with a family carnival taking place tomorrow. This Northwest Arkansas icon has served in many different ways over that time. Here's Emily Gentry, CEO of Mount Sequoia. Yes, we've got a lot going on at Mount Sequoia. Um, we were founded by the Methodist Church, but in 2016 separated from that. So we've become this community entity that gets to focus more on Northwest Arkansas um, instead of trying to focus on a wide eight-state region of Methodists. And it means we get to change up what we've always done. Um, so we get to partner with more local people. Our goal is to get more and more Northwest Arkansans to come to Mount Sequoia to have a wonderful experience, whether it's music, whether it's play, whether it's food, whatever it can be.
So our last week of camp for the summer, we tend to conclude with a carnival. It's our epic camp. So it means just all the epic summer fun that we can fit into one week we do. And we end it with a carnival. And as we were brainstorming ideas for the 100th anniversary, we thought what better way than to extend that carnival to invite the community to come up and, and have some fun and to engage with us. Um, and then we thought trout fishing in America was a great fit. Um, they're doing two different sets. Okay. So they'll do a 2 p.m. specifically for kids. Um, so that'll be really fun. The kids can come play games, listen to trout fishing, and then go back to playing games. And then we'll have a sunset concert over by the Overlook that'll be more for the adult crowd. Emily Gentry. For more information on tomorrow's free community event, mountsequoia.org. And one more event taking place tomorrow, NWA School for Dogs and Rangers Pantry will team up for an event to try to beat the heat with an indoor dog park. Rangers Pantry is a service of the city of Fayetteville. It helps low-income households with their pet food needs. Here's Angela Rich with Rangers Pantry. So Rangers Pantry is a pet food bank that is run through the city of Fayetteville Community Resources Division. Um, we are designed to help struggling families and their pets during times of financial hardship. So for, for low to moderate income families that can't afford um, pet food or pet supplies, we are able to help them through our program. Shanti Stedham with NWA School for Dogs describes tomorrow's activities. In the backyard, we will have some of our doggy pools for some short, brief play sessions outside. But for the most part, it's a great opportunity. Have some snacks for the people and the pups. And we will also have a training session with Donovan Watts. He's our day school trainer. He's going to run a brief training session for those attendees. Since opening in 2010, Rangers Pantry has supplied almost 200,000 pounds of pet food, helping out over 5,600 pets. You can get into that dog party tomorrow with a donation of dog or cat food to Rangers Pantry. For more on that, nwaschoolfordogs.com. The Omni Center for Peace, Justice, and Ecology will host its first Hiroshima-Nagasaki Remembrance Day since COVID began this Sunday, August 6th. This year, along with the traditional speakers and presentations, the event will benefit and include a meal from May Day Northwest Arkansas. The group of area chefs has been working since before COVID to bring quality dishes to the homeless. Here's Alex Tripodi, team member from May Day. May Day was founded in May of 2020 at the start of the pandemic. I was working in fine dining. I was furloughed like so many of my, my peers in the industry and realized that uh, with a little bit of help, I would be able to translate those skills into something that would positively impact the community. I was able to raise a little bit of seed money and begin cooking for uh, food insecure members of our community. Now we're doing one meal a week. Some of our most vulnerable community members, a houseless community that we meet with like clockwork every Monday and deliver about 100 meals uh, to, to houseless folks. We have some cooks and chefs from some of the best restaurants in Northwest Arkansas. My partner, Rachel Anderson, works at Atlas, the restaurant. Uh, Machias Tulu, another cook at Atlas, is one of our critical co-organizers. And events like this let us show off some of the more elevated dishes we're able to do. We, we try to cook very nice food for our homeless friends. It's, it's always the best compliment we get is that the meal we bring out is the best meal they receive that week. But being able to focus on a smaller meal, being able to take our time with this planning, we are really able to elevate and show off the culinary talent that we have in our kitchen. So we see this as an opportunity to do that. Alex Tripodi from May Day, Northwest Arkansas. There are still seats available for the Remembrance Day event this Sunday. For information, omnicenter.org. Just a few of the voices from your community that we heard from this week on the Community Spotlight. You can listen every weekday morning during Morning Edition. You can listen here on Ozarks at Large or listen whenever you want at our website, KUAF.com. I'm Pete Hartman. Remember, your voice matters. 
This is Ozarks at Large. One of the surprise hits at the 2018 box office was The Meg, a film about scientists trying to outrun and outsmart giant prehistoric megalodon sharks. The movie made well more than $500 million globally, and that, of course, in this century, means there has to be a Meg 2. Courtney Lanning, you've seen Meg 2, The Trench. First, welcome back to Ozarks at Large. Second, do we have more giant sharks? First, happy to be here. And second, I can confirm there are technically more giant sharks in this movie, though that doesn't save it from its awful fate. I didn't like the word there, the, the, the modifier, technically there are more giant sharks. You can't make a giant shark movie without having giant sharks everywhere, can you? You're right. You can't. Um, but you can, you can deceive people by how much of the movie those sharks are in. So this movie is such a frustrating experience because ultimately I've realized if you compare the trailers that they showed to the movie that I went and watched, uh, it's a bait and switch. Mm. Bait and switch because you know, the, we don't have as, as much action as we're promised? It's not the action that is the problem. It's who the action is between. So the trailer promises us more dumb action with Jason Statham killing giant prehistoric sharks. But most of the movie is actually wasted on Jason Statham just fighting normal people. The sharks are there, but they fill too much of the movie with human antagonists. And it's it's inexplicable because that's not what anybody wants to see. And let's face it, Jason Statham, if I want to see him fighting human beings, my streaming services are full of movies of him taking on other human beings. Right. If you want to see Jason Statham killing people, just load up Crank. I mean, you're in for a good time. Uh, the problem with, with the Meg is we don't want to see him fight people. We want to see him killing giant sharks. Um, and this movie pretty much waits until the last 20 minutes to give that to the audience. And by then, after, you know, after an hour and a half of dull action sequences of Jason Statham being shot at and almost drowned, and facing off against ocean polluters that I don't even know why they're in the movie. Uh, Jason Statham finally gets to kill a few sharks, but by then you're so worn out, you don't even care. Well, I don't understand. Who are the human beings that are the, the villains here? I mean, are they, are like they, have they teamed up with the prehistoric sharks? Why, why is he being attacked by other humans? So the whole premise, the trench, it's in the title, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this, region deep in the ocean where there are still prehistoric beasts like the Megs. Um, in this movie, they are exploring the trench, thinking they're the only ones down there. And they stumble upon these people that are actually mining the trench. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, they try to keep it a secret. So they try to kill Jason Statham's crew and they trap yeah. him down there in the trench. And then Jason Statham and his crew have to try to escape. And it's, it's just very dull. <laughs> The bad guys are generic, you know, they don't add anything to the movie. And I didn't want to spend an hour and 10 minutes with them before we got to the giant sharks. The trailer doesn't even show these antagonists at all. This trailer shows Jason Statham fighting giant sharks. <laughs> the movie does not give us that. Instead, the movie gives us Jason Statham versus normal human beings. It's it's the same mistake you see people complaining about with the new King Kong movies, right? Mm -hmm. They. We're here for the monsters. We don't care about the human element. Right. I mean, okay, I think you and I both liked the first movie, The Meg. We will admit it was not anything <laughs> that is going to tax you mentally. It's you get what you want. You have giant sharks on screen. The worst sin that a movie like this can commit is that of being dull, and it sounds like this one, for the most part, is that. Exactly. I mean, can you imagine Jaws, right? You've got your, your three guys in the boat. They're going after the giant shark that's uh, eating people up in New England waters. Can you imagine if instead of the tension of just these three men in a boat that they definitely needed to be bigger versus the shark, you had other people coming in shooting at them while they're trying to take down the great white. It, it would be a dull mess of a movie. That's, that's what we have here. You know, when you and I talked about Oppenheimer, you said it was a three-hour film that felt much shorter because of great storytelling. I agree. I, I saw it. This one sounds like maybe it's an hour and a half, two hour movie that feels much longer. Right. So this movie clocks in just under two hours. And I will say that for the last quarter, 
I hated myself for being stuck there because the movie just would not end. This is, look, there's a scene in the movie where Jason Statham uses a broken helicopter propeller to stab a shark and kill it. If the movie had been 90 minutes of that, you wouldn't have heard a single complaint from me. <laughs> right. Instead, that's the only cool part of the movie, and it fills 30 seconds. Mm. There's also another movie out this weekend that, that plays on a franchise. Yes, we have a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which I hear is much, much better than the Meg. I think it's currently sitting right around 94, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, and everybody who sees it seems to think that it's great. What's coming out next week? Next week, you and I will talk about a new romantic comedy called Red, White, and Royal Bloom. I'm going to skip the Meg, Meg to the Trench. When it comes on cable or streaming, I'll just fast forward to that part in the last part with the propeller and and call it a day. I think that's probably the safest bet. All right, Courtney, we'll do rom-com next week. As always, thanks for your time. Of course. Thanks for having me. As you get ready to check out KUAF's The Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series sponsored by McDonald's, catch up on all the past Lunch Hour episodes featuring your favorite local artists like Eddie Canyon, Put a Coco, Bang, and even modeling. You can catch all of these amazing performances on KUAF.com slash the lunch hour. Again, that's KUAF.com slash the lunch hour. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube. In mid-September, you can help clean the streets of Bentonville. The city is participating in Keep America Beautiful's Great Arkansas Cleanup with a Clean the Streets Day. Saturday, September 16th from 9 until noon, volunteers will pick up litter along Bentonville City streets, the trails, and in drainage ways. You can register at signupgenius.com. Just look for the 2023 Fall Clean the Streets Day in Bentonville. That very same day, also in Bentonville, the exhibit Annie Leibovitz at Work opens to the public at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. Many of our iconic photographs she's taken for magazines like Rolling Stone and Vanity Fair will be included. We'll also be able to see new works created just for this Crystal Bridges exhibition. The day before, September 15th, she'll deliver an opening lecture. The talk, however, has already sold out. More information can be found at crystalbridges.org. In the background is Joe Magnarelli doing a Dave Brubeck tune, The Duke. And I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. On this week's edition of the show, we'll hear more from Magnarelli as well as Ben Winkleman, Mark Russo, Nina Freeland, and much more. You can hear Shades of Jazz every Friday and Saturday right here on KUAF, National Public Radio. Shades of Jazz, tonight at 10 on 91.3 KUAF. Tomorrow, beginning at 11 a.m. on KUAF 3. You can listen to KUAF 3 on your digital radio by using the free stream at KUAF.com or by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF 3. And you can find a full schedule of KUAF 3 programs at KUAF.com. You can find Matthew Moore right here in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. Hi, Kyle. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Plans for the weekend? I don't know that I have any. That's kind of the the beauty of having a very small human at home is that <laughs> you can say no to things and uh, you can uh, have nothing to do but still have plenty to do at home. So, Well, we do have plans for the show next week. That's true. Yes. We've got a really great stack of uh, stuff coming at you next week on Ozarks at Large. Monday, we'll hear about the new uh, heritage historic plan from the city of Fayetteville. A lot of really interesting elements of it. It's this huge, really gorgeous document. Uh, and Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Frillick spoke with the person who put it together, got a lot of really great input from the community, from different groups within the community. Really great story on that. On Tuesday, we're having a story about elections. Now, Kyle, it's 2023. We're already talking about elections. But this is a very unique element of elections. Every odd year, uh, the Secretary of State's office puts forward this voter roll maintenance that happens. And on the county level, all of the county clerks go through and uh, figure out who, uh, who, who does no longer qualify to be a voter. So there's a lot of elements to that. And there's a lot of things that are kind of confusing 
about it. So we're going to spend some time talking about that this week. And one more story I'm really sure, excited sure. about is uh, we're working on a story with uh, our, our summer intern, Jack Travis, who went to the Rogers Historical Museum and uh, did a story about the, the new exhibit they have there called Toys Well Played. So we're going to hear about some toys later this week. We also will have a conversation with Keith Beyer about his new book, uh, which is uh, a novel about a group of guys in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, who form a band. I talked with him yesterday. It's a really interesting read. And also the first friendship or friend camp, Northwest Arkansas Friend Camp, took place in Bentonville this past week. It's an interfaith uh, camp. So children that will be in second through sixth grade later this month got together and learned about Christian, Baha'i, I'm not going to get them all. It's a <laughs> Cherokee, uh, Jewish, Muslim. I apologize for the faiths that I've left out. Yes, yeah. But uh, I went to the closing ceremonies. They sang a song, and I talked with Lizimus, who was the director of the camp. It was the first one. It's modeled after something that's been going on in central Arkansas for a few years. We'll have that, uh, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday mm -hmm. on our show. Yeah, and and you know one of the great things about what we do here at Ozarks at Large is uh, there's never a shortage of things to cover, and we really put the at large in the show. <laughs> That's right. And if you ever have an idea or a tip, you can email us, Kyle at KUAF.com. Matthew at KUAF.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas and see what we can get covered. And don't forget, we also have the KUAF word puzzle that is similar to we can't say what it's similar to. You know what it's similar yes. to. You know what it's similar to. Yes, and uh, it, it's available every Monday through Friday. That's right. You can go to ozarksatlarge.com. You can click the link right at the top. All right. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Van Buren, and Decatur. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors to our program this Friday included Michael Tilley, with Talk Business and Politics, Becca Martin-Brown, the Arts and Entertainment Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Courtney Lanning. Additional reporting today provided by KUAR in Little Rock. Today's show couldn't have come together without assistance from Matthew Moore. Thank, Thank you, you very Kyle. much, Matthew. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Daryl's most recent CD is titled Still Here. You can find out more about it or find it wherever you look for music online. I'll be back with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. And as Matthew and I just mentioned, we uh, launch a new week of daily shows Monday at noon and 7. And if you ever miss an edition of Ozarks at Large, Matthew? There's a couple different ways you can, you can find that. You can go to your podcast app and go to look for Ozarks at Large. You can go to ozarksatlarge.com, find the individual stories. You can find full-length episodes and uh, always keep up with our newsletter, too. You can find that at OzarksAtLarge.com. All right. From the Anthony, Su Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for listening. Support for KUAF comes from the Clinton School of Public Service at the University of Arkansas. The Clinton School's Master of Public Service degree balances rigorous policy and data analysis with effective communication and relationship building. Students complete unique field projects from local work in Arkansas communities and across the world. More information at clintonschool.uasys.edu or by calling the Office of Admissions. 501-683-5228. The Northwest Arkansas Jazz Society and Rail Yard Live Concert Series presents the Jazz and Blues Block Party, August 4th and 5th in Rogers. Performances include Young Just Song, a Korean jazz pianist and her trio, as well as Abstract Citizen with guitarist composer Aaron Lebos. Tickets at digjazz.com events.